Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey, everyone, it's Los. Uh, week week uh, eight getting wrapped up here. Week nine going to be previewed today. Um, how are you doing, Mung? Well, my uh, my week's been going pretty well fantasy-wise. Uh, you know, two of my leagues I've definitely won, and this last one, uh, Monday night game, I need a lot of the Chiefs to do well, but I'm hoping that'll that'll happen here tonight. Should be an exciting game. As always, we are watching in real time, so we'll let you know as anything updates as we go on. Um, I think we had a little bet last week, too, right, Mung? We, they've been few and far between, but they've really mattered when they've happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I definitely lost that bet that we made last week on Will Fuller not being a top 35 wide receiver uh, this past week. I mean, uh, to be completely honest, the Texans exceeded my wildest expectations playing on the road at Seattle, and I was just com- dead wrong about how I thought that game was going to go. Watson is amazing. I won't gloat. They're quite a team. Very fun to watch. Hopefully an equally fun game tonight. Yeah, and uh, honestly, there there's really no other choice to go for our close shave of the week uh, except that Texans-Seahawks game, and Deshaun Watson really went toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson on Sunday. Both QBs threw for over 400 yards. However, the veteran Wilson refused to let his team lose at home and rallied the offense down 34-38 to with under two minutes to go. Russell Wilson struck quickly and with precision, hitting Paul Richardson for 48 yards, Tyler Lockett for 19 yards, and then found Jimmy Graham in the end zone with an 18-yard touchdown. Wilson finished the game with 452 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and added 30 yards on the ground en route to a comeback win over Houston. Get your close shave, like Russell Wilson with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same grade blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. So much to be said about that play. So much to be said about that game. But uh, we'll get to both of those teams uh, when when time permits. Um, let's go ahead and run right into the upcoming Thursday night football game. Buffalo at the New York Jets. Uh, Tyrod Taylor orchestrated a nice 18-point day, including one rushing and one passing touchdown. LaShawn McCoy, 27 carries, 151 yards and a touchdown, plus 6 of 7 for 22 through the air. And an every week running back one. The backup tight ends have had enough chances to step up, in my opinion, and are not worth looks here, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, especially with Charles Clay on the way back in the coming weeks. Uh, Zay Jones, the rookie, had a better day with three of five for 35. I know that isn't impressive, but it is a step forward. I still believe in his long-term talent, and this defense continues to be super impressive uh, with four more turnovers, holding Oakland to 14 points. Yeah, Tyra Taylor's really just been making lemonade out of lemons with this, you know, lack of talent in his receiving core. He's a low-end QB1 again in fantasy. Of course, McCoy is one of those elite running backs, such a high floor given his involvement in the passing game. And yeah, like you said, uh, Tyrod's really been spreading the ball around, and uh, I really wouldn't want to start any of these receivers, but I guess if I had to pick one, Jordan Matthews would be that desperation wide receiver for. I would take a shot on him as he kind of gets healthier and more comfortable coming back from that thumb surgery. And as you said, I do like the Bills defense as a streaming option this week. Uh, They should force at least a couple of turnovers on the Jets Thursday night. 
Absolutely. Uh, Andre Holmes this week, Dante Thompson the uh, week before, maybe Jordan Matthews this coming week. Who knows? Uh, as for the New York Jets, they put together a solid almost win versus the defending NFC champion Falcons. Uh, Josh McCown, 257 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, but as a tough Tough matchup here with Buffalo. Uh, I don't love anyone on the team this week except Austin Safarian Jenkins, who had a quieter day with five catches, 28 yards. Blau Powell, 14 carries, 33 yards, plus three catches for 28. To 40s, four catches for or, uh, four carries for seven yards with six catches for 45. Neither excite me this week. Uh, as alluded last week, it looks like Robbie Anderson has become the top wide receiver in this offense with six catches, 104 yards, and a touchdown uh, this week to Curses, two catches for uh, 14 yards. But again, I'd like to see it repeated again before I really believe in it. Uh, and I'm avoiding all these players this week regardless. I'm actually kind of on the other side of this. Uh, while, ah. I, while I like the Bills' defense from a fantasy perspective, you know, I think they're going to get some turnovers, maybe score a defensive touchdown. But um, I honestly think there's a lot of potential here for garbage time, even if uh, the Bills' defense does hold them. Um, I actually like McCown as a high-end QB, too. Um, really the bills, even though they've held, uh, the points low, um, they've actually given up three straight games of 300 plus passing yards, opposing quarterbacks. Um, I think he's a decent streaming option. And then with the running backs, neither Forte nor Powell have really been exciting, but they've been catching enough passes to make them flex worthy. They're, they're splitting that workload, but in PPR, uh, they're, you know, flex worthy with just the involvement in the passing game. Really? Um, I like Powell slightly more than Forte. He has been getting more carries as well. Um, but, you know, speaking of not exciting, but quietly very good in fantasy thus far, Robbie Anderson really starting to gel with McCown. And I think he's in that risk-reward flex range now. Um, it could be a bad night, but at the same time, we've seen that he's got very high upside. And to your point, Austin Sperry and Jenkins didn't catch a touchdown this past week, but still getting a lot of targets. And you're happy with those five catches in PPR. He's just fine this week as a low-end tight end one. Yes, you may not have uh, many better options with six weeks, uh, six games on by this week, six teams on by this week. I'm sorry. Uh, give me the Buffalo Bills on the road here. Yep, I'll take the Bills as well. All right, NFC South showdown, Atlanta at Carolina. It felt like the Falcons wanted to give this game away to the Jets, but just couldn't pull the trigger on committing. Uh, sad. Matt Ryan pulled a decent day with 250 yards, two touchdowns, and should be fine again versus Carolina. Tevin Coleman. 14 carries, 80 yards with one catch for 22. And Freeman with 12 carries, 41 yards, one catch for 20. Freeman's the running back one. Coleman still flex. Don't be fooled by this week of numbers. Uh, you're, of course, starting Julio jo Julio Jones, despite returning to the touchdown less ranks. Only three catches here. You don't like to see that. Mosinu will be a good flex option this week, getting six catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown versus the Jets. I know Austin Hooper came out of the game with four catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown, but we know that won't last especially not with uh, Luke Keekley on the field watching him. Yeah, really, Matt Ryan uh, had a pretty good day despite a rainy, sloggy game. Uh, he would have had close to 20 points were not to were not for uh, two lost fumbles, and really I attribute that to the crappy weather. Um, so I, I think he'll be a fine low on QB1 against Carolina. But as for the running backs, Freeman's really been disappointing lately as this whole offense has really struggled um, he also got out-touched by Tevin Coleman last week. Uh, we're not really sure why. don't know if there was some nagging injury or something, but Freeman's moved down in my ranks this week. Uh, it's a tough running matchup. The Panthers are pretty stout. Um, he's just a high-end RB2 for me right now. 
Coleman was the better guy last week, but as far as the touches are concerned, uh, they're still inconsistent for him. So I'd like to see um, how that's going to kind of shake out this week. He's still in that flex range. And then really, uh, Julio got that end zone fade target. Uh, the weather conditions were bad for throwing the ball, so I'm willing to give him a pass here. Um, really still in that low-end wide receiver one range, despite not uh, uh, doing particularly well. But, uh, oh, wow. Hold on. Uh, breaking news here. Uh, apparently, the 49ers have acquired Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for their second-round pick in 2018. Wow. That is, uh, wow, that's pretty insane. That is interesting. Yeah, with the uh, with the trade deadline coming up, uh, really uh, keep keep an eye out for news like this before you accept any trades. Um, Jeez! Wow, that's that's huge. That changes the landscape. How do you? Uh, I know before not to get too far off topic, but we were talking about Kirk Cousins leading the Niners to the Super Bowl in a couple years. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I believe in him, but, uh, I mean, one QB leagues, you can probably leave him on the waiver wire for right now, but he, he could emerge as a fantasy QB. Um, I mean, if you, definitely if you're in Superflex or 2QB, he should be owned. I just worry now for the Patriots. They've traded away both of their usable backup quarterbacks this year. I, what happens if, hap- if something happens to Tom Brady? Uh, nothing good. That's what. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Anyways, uh, where were we? Um, yeah, just to finish out the uh, the Falcons real quick. Um, like I said, Julio did get that end zone fade target. I still like him, even though he hasn't really. He's really only had one big blow up week. Um, still in that low end wide receiver one range. Um, Sanu, I like him as a wide receiver three or flex. And then, like you said, for Austin Hooper, the targets were there this week, but. He dropped a wide open pass in the end zone for what could have been his second touchdown. He's still just a boomer bust tight end too, depending on how their passing game targets get split up week to week. Jeez, Mung Rappaport over here, just breaking news over here. Uh, <laughs> as for the uh, Carolina Panthers, Cam was bad again in Tampa, but the Falcons have shown that they like to be beaten. Uh, Newton was held to 154 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and forced to rush 11 times for 44 yards, which I still don't think was enough to uh, count as a good start for him, despite those four po- uh, four extra points there. That's two weeks in a row that we don't like him. Uh, luckily, I think he turns it around here and has a solid day. Jonathan Stewart, 11 carries, 34 yards in Tampa with the touchdown. Yes, he had a touchdown, but he's still so low ceiling to me that I'm avoiding him altogether. Christian McCaffrey only had four carries for just three yards, but added those five catches for 49 in the air. He hangs on to relevance like nobody else's business. That's just what he's been doing this season. I love him as a flex. I don't really like him as running back too. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches continue to get targets. Both are, again, wide receiver threes for me this week. Yeah, I, I think Cam will be just fine as a low-end QB1. Uh, if Josh McCown was able to put up those kind of points in a thunderstorm against uh, the Falcons, Cam should be okay at home. Um, and as you said, Jonathan Stewart scored that touchdown this week, but uh, not counting on that happening again anytime soon. Uh, I still would be avoiding him as well. Um, McCaffrey, I actually still like him as a low-end RB2 uh, just because that passing game really keeps his points alive and there's so much inconsistency at running back right now. Um, I think McCaffrey will be just fine if you're rolling him out there. Kelvin Benjamin, still a usable uh, low-end wide receiver too, and then Funchess in that back-end flex conversation as well. 
And then as for Ed Dixon, he got you a few PPR points, but you're really not starting him unless you're desperate at tight end. And then just a reminder that Greg Olson uh, could start practicing this week, uh, could come back as early as week 12. So definitely uh, we'll, we'll be talking about him more on that waiver wire section at the end here. That's right. Keep an eye out for Greg Olson. I will take the, uh, the Redbirds of flight, the Atlanta Falcons here on the road at Carolina. Two road teams so far. I, you know, I'll take Atlanta too, but I could see this game going either way. Absolutely. Especially those divisional games. Indianapolis at Houston, speaking of another South divisional game. Jacoby Brissett looked, uh, took a hard shot late in the game, but should be good to go if you need a desperate option versus Houston. Uh, I hope you can find better than him, but he has been sneaky valuable. Uh, Gore and Mack are just RB3s again for me here, unless Frank Gore gets traded before uh, Tuesday's deadline. Marlon Mack's starting to take over larger chunks of snaps here, but he still trailed touches 14 to 20 with 63 and a touchdown to Gore's 99 yards. T.Y. Hilton got the targets, but was held two catches for 15 yards, and he could have a tough time again this week. Uh, Jack Doyle led the team with one uh, with uh, 12 targets, 121 yard, 12 catches, sorry, 120 yard, one yards and a touchdown. Great game for the tight end here. Uh, we know we like him. Yeah, and I'm not going to you know pat myself on the back or anything, but we've talked about Jack Doyle the last three weeks on the podcast. So I hope you guys listened and picked him up before <laughs> this past week. Um, I mean, Doyle really isn't anything special athletically, but he can be what Jason Witten was for a decade, that reliable, move-the-chains uh, kind of guy. And Witten was a top 10 PPR tight end for years and years. So you know, we'll talk about Doyle one last time on the waiver section before his ownership percentage jumps uh, when waivers process this week. He certainly won't repeat those insane stats again, but he's been consistently scoring double-digit points in PPR for three weeks now. Um, he's really been that reliable underneath guy for Brissett. Speaking of, uh, I think uh, Jacoby Brissett should be fine this week as a high-end QB2. Uh, that Houston defense is beatable, and I think T.Y. Hilton, too, a, a low-end wide receiver, too, for me this week for the same reason. Um, but, you know, we just saw Jimmy Garoppolo get traded uh, right uh, right the second, and uh, there's been rumors that T.Y. Hilton's on the trade block. So definitely keep an eye out for him. Uh, you know, his stock goes way up if he goes to a better team. And then as for the running backs, like you said, uh, Frank Gore, uh, you know, a little bit better than Jonathan Stewart, but just not a whole lot there in terms of ceiling. And really, Marlon Mack is the much better RB3 or flex play with upside um, that I would want. That pulls us right into the uh, Houston Texans side of the football. Wow. What an exciting game they just played in Seattle, as we talked about. I honestly might actually rewatch that game this week on Game Pass. Deshaun Watson is the real deal, and he proved it again with 402 yards and four touchdowns versus that Seattle secondary. Though he did have three interceptions, 67 yards rushing, about 33 points depending on your scoring format. He's, of course, a quarterback one again this week and likely the rest of the season easily. Uh, the run game looked different with Lamar Miller dominating 21 carries, 54 yards and a touchdown with three catches, 19 yards in a second touchdown as well uh, versus Indianapolis. He's a running back too. <clears throat> versus that running defense. And, and we saw Alfred Blue, actually, instead of uh, Dante Foreman, which maybe it was due to skipping a meeting. Maybe it was due to better practice week for Blue. There's conflicting reports based on the coaching. Regardless, I'm touching neither Foreman nor Blue this week here. And you certainly aren't sitting Hopkins after eight catches, 224 yards and a touchdown, or Fuller after five catches, 125 yards and two touchdowns. Expect some regression, of course, but Hopkins is a wide receiver one. And Fuller's an awesome flex play, or low-end wide receiver two type 
Yeah, um, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, that Houston offense really just exceeded my wildest expectations. I mean, Watson's a legit must-start QB right now. Um, Miller suddenly in that mid-level RB2 conversation, given how hot this offense has been. And then uh, the the one thing I will say about Dante Foreman, um, it it was said that he he quote-unquote was out outshined in practice by alfred blue which i find hard to believe because alfred blue is really just a guy um i I really think it has more to do with the fact that foreman left practice angry about bob Bob mcnair's um prison inmates comments um of course deandre hopkins also left but uh he's a superstar and of course they couldn't bench him so i would expect foreman to be back this week uh, behind miller um, I think he's a way better running back than Alfred Blue, but definitely something to keep track of. Uh, obviously, you're starting DeAndre Hopkins, and I'll say this about Will Fuller. Um, obviously, he's going to regress in terms of that touchdown rate, but I think people have, or at least associate, uh, the word regression with a bad connotation. And while his touchdown rate is definitely unsustainable, that doesn't mean that he can't be a good fantasy-wide receiver. Um, certainly you're starting him this week. Uh, I especially love him this week against the Colts because I'm assuming DeAndre Hopkins um, gets a tough matchup against Vontae Davis covering him. So uh, again, I love Fuller again. He's a low-end wide receiver too for me. Um, And then one last note on the Texans as well. If this offense really stays hot, CJ Fedorowicz is a name to monitor. He's been on IR with a concussion, but he could return in week 10 and if you guys remember, he was a low-end tight end one in PPR last year, and he could definitely be relevant again in fantasy pretty quick once he's back. That prison inmates comment possibly making waves around the entire league, uh, leading to Dwayne Brown, left tackle of the Texans, who finally uh, returned this last week, being traded to the Seattle Seahawks out of disgruntledness about it. So that may actually help the Seahawks quite a bit, who've had a lot of, uh, a lot of line issues. Um, I'm picking the uh, Texans at home here. Yeah, there's, I mean, I don't know how you could pick Indianapolis in this game. If they somehow win, I would be shocked. It'd be tough. Cincinnati at Jacksonville. Uh, the Bengals just eked by the Colts, and I'm looking for a much tougher day for this offense on the road in Jacksonville. Dalton's a low-end quarterback, too. Mixon continues to be poorly effective and sees another tough matchup here. He's a running back three. The other two backs continue to not be options. This past week's line was Mixon, 11 carries for 18 yards with three catches for 91 yards. He did break one long one there. Uh, Jeremy Hill, four catches or four carries for 11 yards, and Bernard, two carries for five yards with zero catches on two targets. AJ Green had another low catch volume week with three catches on eight targets, 14 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown protected his value may have saved your day there, but he's again a low end wide receiver one here in Jacksonville with a tough matchup. Taylor Croft came through as a streamer with a solid five for 46 day. Jacksonville has not been great against tight end. So you could do worse at tight end this week than streaming Tyler Croft again on the, uh, on a 16 by Yep, um, absolutely agree with you on Tyler Croft. He's a low-end tight end one in PPR for me, uh, as he has been the second uh, on the team in targets behind A.J. Green already. And we talked about Andy Dalton as a nice streaming quarterback against the Colts this past week. He worked out nicely, but you're definitely not starting him this week against Jacksonville. Um, In terms of Mixon, really, uh, for those that didn't get a chance to watch the game, he broke a huge catch in yards after the catch, uh, he got tackled, I, I want to say, at like the three or four yard line. 
And really, uh, they took him out because he was winded or else he could have scored a touchdown there. Um, I think his upside's still pretty high. The way you beat Jacksonville is to try and run the ball on, on them, not to throw it. Um, and the Bengals would be smart to rely on mixing this game. I, I do think he's just an RB3, but I think he's got a lot of upside this game. Um, and then finally, in terms of AJ Green, I, I understand the whole start your studs argument, but he's not ranked as a wide receiver one for me. Um, if you've got him, obviously it depends on your options. He's still a high-end wide receiver too. Um, but this Jacksonville defense, we've seen the secondary is just shutting people down, and I don't think AJ Green's going to have a great week. On the Jacksonville side of the football, they come off the bye week, hopefully a lot healthier than before. Leonard Fournette should continue his momentum of a nice running back one day. I don't love either wide receiver uh, wide receiver this week in a tough matchup versus the Cincinnati pass defense. Keep an eye on Fournette's progress this week. Don't be afraid to add or play Chris Ivory if needed, or TJ Yeldon if it looks like he's surpassed Ivory in, uh, in practice. There's been conflicting reports uh, over the past week since uh, Ivory, uh, Yeldon did have that nice um, catch-and-run sort of day last week yeah i mean leonard fournette is practicing already today so i I think he's pretty safe in terms of being able to go um i'm not worried about that i think he'll be a solid rb1 but just uh you know for hypothetically if you have that bench spot if you're a fournette owner would you rather have chris ivory or tj yeldon right now if you only had one spot I like Ivory a lot better. I think he's more proven. Um, Yeldon had those had those PPR day. He, he had those rece- uh, receptions and runs. Um, Ivory, I think, overall is the better running back. Hmm. I'm actually going to go the other way. I think Yeldon would be the guy here. Um, hmm. But certainly, uh, I, I think it's kind of one of those Darren McFadden, Alfred Morris situations. I don't think right? there's necessarily a right answer here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then in terms of the wide receivers, Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee, both uh, just the low-end flex plays for me. I, I don't really love their upside. Uh, Cincinnati's defense has been playing pretty well as well. Um, and really, uh, the only other thing to note is D.D. Westbrook. Uh, the rookie wide receiver really lit it up in preseason, could quickly become that number one option on this team. He is coming back from his groin surgery. Definitely a name to monitor right now. Um, depending on your wide receiver depth and bench space. I'll take the Jaguars at home. Yeah, give me the Jaguars as well. All right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. Uh, the entire NFC South playing each other this week. Um, it's so frustrating to watch Jameis Winston play. I know I've bad mouthed him, but I honestly want to see him succeed. He has all the potential to be another Russell Wilson type, very exciting player. We just saw Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson battle it out. Love, I mean, above fantasy football, we watch the game because we love to see exciting players. But he just can't connect with his players when he needs to. Evans five catches on ten targets, sixty yards, and still gets the wide receiver one type value. But not a wide receiver one type day. Uh, this should be a big enough shootout versus New Orleans for Brayton Jackson to get something sta- uh, start worthy here. Uh, Doug Martin didn't exactly impress me, but he did manage an okay 18 uh, carries for 71 yards with one catch there. Whatever. He's a running back two here. You know, this is a frustrating team. Yeah, Martin uh, should be relied on heavily here to not put too much pressure on Jameis. I really think that AC joint sprain is limiting his ability to throw accurately. I mean, he's always struggled with issues with accuracy, but really I think he's still not fully recovered from that injury. Um, I would bench Jameis Winston right now. I just have him as a mid-level QB2. I'd rather start somebody like Josh McCown, honestly, um, just because Winston does not look fully healthy. Um, But, you know, as you said, uh, Mike Evans, you're certainly starting, of course. He was inches away uh, from a poorly thrown pass from a a large touchdown. But 
Um, I'm avoiding Deshaun Jackson until Winston gets fully healthy. Uh, to me, he's the riskier guy here. Uh, he usually tries to connect on those longer routes, and I just don't know if it's going to be there. And then uh, in terms of Cameron Brait, I think he's still a solid back end tight end one with upside. He's just been so consistent. Uh, you know, he's getting his targets every game. Jackson, definitely more of a DFS best ball type player. If Winston, you know, can say that every week, he just misses guys by by a foot and a half, right? Uh, the New Orleans Saints beat Chicago in New Orleans. First winning effort without a passing touchdown since 2009. 299 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I expect a better day for Drew Brees here. That was a bit fluky, of course. Both, both running backs are at least weekly flexes. Ingram probably more of a running back, too. Both with touchdowns this week. Ingram 18 for 75 and a touchdown with six extra catches for 24 yards. Al Kamara, eight carries, 28 yards and a touchdown with three catches for 28. Michael Thomas continued with seven catches for 77 yards. Solid weekly wide receiver one. Uh, there's nothing on the Bucks that worries me for the wide receivers. And as Sean Payton this week said, Sneed would, quote, eventually be a be uh, bigger part of the offense. I think Ted Ginn Jr. is another solid flex week here. And Coleman's a desperation flex again. Sneed uh, not getting that percentage of the work to be taken away from them still no work for the tight ends here uh Fleener with one catch josh hill three catches nothing that i'm worried about yeah i think drew Brees will be fine he's been kind of disappointing lately but he's still that mid-level qb1 with high upside anytime he's at home uh you know in the dome i think he'll be just fine um the other thing is i actually have ingram as a low-end rb1 you've got melvin gordon on by jordan howard on by um, you know, Devontae Freeman, I've lowered in my rankings. So I like Ingram a lot as a low end RB1. And I think Kamara is still a very good RB2. Uh, he's just so involved in that passing game that, you know, I, I think uh, he's kind of like LaShawn McCoy in terms of that high floor of just getting five to six catches per game. Um, certainly they use the screen plays a lot on that offense as well. So he's always got the ability to break a big one. Um, Michael Thomas, as you said, solid wide receiver one. And then really the other thing is Ted Ginn. I think he'll be a nice wide receiver three or flex option. He's been inconsistent and, and Willie Sneed is starting to play more, but I still think, um, that Ted Ginn should be a high upside flex here. Should be no surprise here. I'm picking the saints at home. Yep. Give me the saints as well. All right. In, uh, in another matchup, the Los Angeles Rams at the New York Giants. Uh, the Rams come off their bye with a tough defensive matchup. I don't love anybody here except Gurley, who is fine every week. Uh, Goff has not been efficient. They still don't know how to use Sammy Watkins. I'm avoiding all these players except Todd Gurley. And, of course, the defense, who should do well here with the very injured Giants offense. Yeah, the Rams have been a top-scoring offense in the league, and the Giants' defense has not been playing great against opposing quarterbacks despite all the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think Goff should be a nice high-end QB2 play, and of course you're starting Todd Gurley. And like you said, uh, I don't love Sammy Watkins, although the one thing to note is they have been using him out of the slot more to try to get him going. So certainly upside there if they can figure out how to scheme some plays for Watkins. Um, but that said, I, he's just still a low end flex for me this week. I, I would not be starting him with any sort of confidence. Um, I actually like Cooper Cup a little bit more. Uh, I, I think he's going to see quite a few checkdowns here. And even on the road, uh, I like the Rams defense. Uh, I expect them to really get to Eli Manning and rattle him a little bit. Sean McVay, a very smart coach. I do expect them to figure out how to use Sammy Watkins some point at the end of the day. Maybe a dynasty buy low if somebody's sitting there uh, super frustrated. 
Dynasty players don't typically move their superstars like that, or, or at least their name guys. So that's how that goes. New York Giants, uh, even worse than the Rams, though, has been the Giants, despite the crazy win versus Denver. Uh, that said, Evan Ingram just had 10-plus targets and is the most talented guy on this offense for right now. He's a tight end one. Uh, Strong Shepard, if healthy, could be a high-volume flex as well with limited scoring upside, of course. Uh, is there anyone else on this team? I, I guess Orleans Darkwa. I'm not playing him against the Rams, though. Yeah, I mean, th- actually, the Rams' pass defense is a lot better than their run defense. So Darkwa, low on flex for me here. But uh, the other guy to mention, I think, is Sterling Shepard. Um, it sounds like he he might be able to play this week. He'd be a low end flex for me as well, assuming he plays. They just have no options. I think the sheer target volume that he would get um, gives him enough volume, as you said. Um, I I. I Yes, the Giants defense is an okay streaming play. They are still pretty talented. Um, at least for DFS too, they're pretty cheap in most tournaments. Uh, they should get they should get some pressure on Goff at least. Uh, this this will be a slugfest. I think uh, I think Todd Gurley shakes free once or twice here and uh, gives the Rams the win. Yeah, I would say even more so. I think maybe the Rams defense just shuts down Eli and, and you know gets yeah. some, uh, gets a couple turnovers on him. So. Um, I will take the Rams on the road. There we go. Uh, Denver at Philadelphia. Tonight, we see how much offense uh, Trevor Simeon can muster versus KC. Earlier in the season, he looked much more promising. He still has his weapons, though. Both Thomas and Sanders should be ready for this game. If healthy, could turn into solid wide receiver two weeks for each of them here. Uh, The running backs are tough, and maybe CJ will distance himself tonight versus KC, but I'm not counting on it. Uh, Pay attention also to see if A.J. Darby distances himself from the tight end pack as well. I think he's probably the highest upside, but he is not the starter tight end Virgil Green still has that distinction yeah I'm not starting any of the Denver tight end right tight ends right now um in Dynasty Jake Butts a name to monitor as he comes back closer uh or he's closer to coming back excuse me um and I don't love Simeon here but the Philadelphia secondary has been susceptible he's a QB2 with a upside here this week and then I'm actually avoiding all the running backs. Uh, you know, they're facing a very good defensive line and splitting carries. So I, I really want no part of that. And then, yeah, I mean, Demarius Thomas should have a decent matchup. Uh, I have him as a low end wide receiver, too. And we'll see if Emmanuel Sanders can play. Um, assuming he's good to go, he'd be a, a decent flex play as well. And if not, then Benny Fowler becomes a low end flex play in PPR. For the Eagles, Carson Wentz and company continued to roll through the Niners with 211 yards, two touchdowns, one reception, 33 points uh, for the team. It'll be a much tougher day versus Denver. Elshon again led in targets with eight, but only converted two of those targets for catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. He had that nice long touchdown. I have him a wide receiver three or four versus Denver, and Aguilar is a wide receiver four flex option only. Uh, Zach Ertz may came out of this game with another two t- touchdowns. Tight ends can have their way with this uh, Denver defense that's for sure we've seen Denver shut down running backs and I don't like blunt or smallwood this week at all or or Clemens for that matter that uh, that backfield three-headed I wouldn't call it a monster the backfield's not good enough to be called that yeah I don't love either of the running backs either uh, this is going to be a tough play I think blunt would be a very low-end flex play for me um, same with Alshon Jeffrey facing tough cornerback coverage here I will say that I still have Carson Wentz as a low on QB1 this week. He's just been so good lately. I don't think you can bench him necessarily unless you have really good options. 
Um, but I actually disagree with you on Nelson Aguilar. I think he'll be a fine uh, high-end flex play. I think the way to beat Denver is those short crossing routes over the middle of the field, uh, not throwing outside. So I do like Ertz and Aguilar. Ertz, obviously, a top three tight end every week. All right. Uh, also, sounds like we uh, both like Philadelphia here. Yeah, and actually, uh, just real quick, too, uh, I do like the Eagles defense again uh, this week. All right. Baltimore at Tennessee. Joe Flacco took a bad shot and may not be available this game. Ryan Mallett should look to convert on short routes all day with a heavy lean on the run game. Speaking of the run game, Alex Collins bolt through Miami with 18 carries, 113 yards plus 30 yards receiving. Buck Allen with 55 yards on 17 carries, one target, one catch for three, uh, two yards. I hope you don't have to lean on this offense. Macklin, of course, got another touchdown, three catches, 53 yards with a 34-yard touchdown in there. Tennessee's been a good matchup for the wide receivers so far this year, but can you really trust my, Ryan Mallett? I'm not. Yeah, we'll see if uh, Joe Flacco can suit up for this game. Uh, it was a Thursday night game where he suffered the concussion, so he does have that extra few days to clear the protocol. Um, and if Flacco plays, I mean, you don't love him for fantasy. He's just a mid-level QB, too. But um, the other thing is, I did mention Alex Collins on last week's podcast as a flex option with high upside if Baltimore could control that game against Miami, and they did exactly that, and Collins did pretty well. And I would think he's earned more touches at this point, but we'll see. I think both Collins and Buck Allen should be flex plays here. Um, I'm not sure how exactly they're going to divvy up this workload, but really uh, in terms of the receivers, I'd avoid everyone on Baltimore if it's Ryan Mallett. Um, but if Flacco is back, I think Macklin is still a viable uh, wide receiver three or flex option. Um, but definitely I would be benching uh, Macklin and everybody uh, if Mallow plays. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, we mentioned Ben Watson was a high-end tight end two last week, and he did get you the touchdown if you started him. But I would avoid Ben Watson this week with Tennessee defending against the tight end pretty well. Tough defense to crack. Uh, Tennessee is a tough, a sneaky, tough match. Uh, this is a sneaky, tough matchup for Tennessee as well, coming off of their bye. Any uncertainty at their positions uh, makes this a really tough game to call. Health is a question everywhere on this offense, uh, for from Mariota to the tight end. Murray and Henry have been very close in usage, with history leaning towards Murray as a running back, too, and Henry's a low-end flex. Corey Davis may be back this week, and he's a mustache for me right now, but I can't start any of these wide receivers this week. None of been good davis is going to muddy the picture even more in the coming weeks he may be the only one worth owning but for now i think it's a situation to avoid yeah there's a lot to talk about here on the titan side mariota was dealing with that hamstring injury hopefully with the bye um he's more refreshed and has that rushing upside again but that said i just have mariota as a high-end qb2 with that ravens pass defense playing excellent right now um, especially if Delaney Walker misses this game, certainly lowers Mariota's ceiling. And then Baltimore has been better against the run with their nose tackle back, Brandon Williams coming back a couple weeks ago. Um, but that said, I would still have DeMarco Murray in that low-end RB2 range. Uh, but I really wouldn't start Derrick Henry this week. Uh, I think he's not really startable as long as Murray plays, um, especially with Murray having that bye week to get healthier. And then Corey Davis, as you said, I think he's a mustache as well, but certainly a very tough matchup if he does play this week. Um, I like his upside the rest of the season, but his first game back facing a tough matchup, just a desperation wide receiver four. And then Rashard Matthews has been getting a ton of targets, but again, he's just a low end flex given the tough matchup as well. 
And then in terms of the tight ends, a lot of talk about here. Delaney Walker suffered that bone bruise on his ankle um, before the bye week. If he does play, I think he's a low-end tight end one for me. Uh, this is a pretty good matchup for the tight end position. And if he's out, actually, Janu Smith would be a high-risk, high-reward tight end two. Um, Baltimore has allowed a lot of points to opposing tight ends, and we're just not sure what kind of snaps Janu would see. Um, he could either score two points or 20, so he's in that tight end two range. Tough game for me to call, but I am taking Tennessee at home. Yeah, I'll take Tennessee as well. Again, a, a lot depends on, in, like you said, injuries on both sides here, but I will take the Titans. Yeah. Arizona at San Francisco kicking off our 4 p.m. Eastern games. The Cardinals are in trouble, That uh, that's for sure. It, it may not look like it after this week, though, with, versus San Francisco. Don't be fooled. The Niners are terrible. Fitz is just a wide receiver three with Drew Stanton at the helm, and AP did not follow up well with his second game. Adrian Peterson's a flex for me, and hopefully not more than that for any of you. Uh, Andre Ellington may end up as the best player on this team come into season, so he's a definite hold for me for now, but I will not start him just yet. And as for the other wide receivers, well, I hope you didn't chase them like I did in a few leagues, expecting them to continue to gel with Carson Palmer. Avoid them all for now. And I don't know that J.J. Nelson or Jaron Brown are even ownable anymore in redraft leagues. Yeah, I mean, on paper, the Niners secondary is a good matchup, but I'm not touching Drew freaking Stanton. Um, pass on him and pass on pretty much most of this Cardinals offense. Um, really, for me, I, you know, you like Ellington, but I actually like Adrian Peterson more. Um, I expect him to get 20-plus carries in this game. They're going to want to not rely on Stanton as much as possible. Um, you know, really try and rely on the run game. He's a low on RB2 for me or a high on flex play, depending on how well Stan can keep this offense moving. Um, and, you know, really, like you said, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, he's the only guy you can really start in terms of the receivers. He's just a flex play until we see how this offense is going to work. But, uh, yeah, I agree. And not touching any of the other receivers. Now the Niners, uh, they played just about as expected versus a tough defense, and they pull another another tough matchup defensively versus Arizona. Avoid Bethard or Garoppolo at this point, but I, I think uh, uh, Bethard's going to get the start here. You can't just pull a guy in and give him the start just like that, although I guess Indianapolis just did. Um, and uh, Garcon and Kittle, until they at least look serviceable again, Carlos Hyde, 12 carries for 25 yards with four catches for 22. Uh, he's a low-end running back, too. And they are adamant that they're not trading him this year. Uh, we'll know soon enough with the trade deadline for Eastern tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's what I got on Arizona. Yeah, I, I highly doubt Garoppolo would get the start this week. I mean, he doesn't even get a, f a full week of practice, and I would think that would be at minimum what they would need to give him a shot here. Um, I wouldn't even put Hyde in my rankings as an RB2. He's just an upside flex play right now. Uh, you're hoping he can break a long run or catch. Um, I expect Pierre Garcon to be blanketed by coverage. So really, Marquise Goodwin's the only maybe viable option, but still just a desperation wide receiver four or five for me. Um, he'll probably, excuse me, he'll probably lead the team in catches, but uh, that that doesn't mean much. It could be like three catches for 30 yards. Um, the one last thing, though, I do think the Niners defense could be a streaming or DFS option. Um, the Niners could get some picks uh, from Drew Stanton, assuming that they can hold up against that Arizona run game. All right. Uh, Going to be an ugly one, that's for sure. But I do think that Arizona takes it here. Um, I don't know. I You know, I'm going to take San Francisco here. 
All right. Um, uh, and then, yeah, just one other quick note to uh, Travis Kelsey with a, a nice touchdown here. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is, but it seems like Kelsey just dominates the Broncos every year. He really does. And then uh, pulls through with a sweet little, uh, I don't know what sort of dance you'd call that, but uh, it's it's something. Go go get it, Travis. Man, I, I love Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Yeah, how could you not? Very, very talented player. Uh, Washington at Seattle. Kirk Cousins had a tough day in the rain versus Dallas, and Washington does not have the run game to allow for inclement weather. He will have another rough day versus the Seattle secondary. Rob Kelly, eight carries for 19 yards and a touchdown despite falling into the end zone. I hope that doesn't impress you. Chris Thompson, four carries for 18 yards, plus that eight catches for 76 yards. He's a solid PPR running back, too who will see a healthy number of targets this week. And despite Crowder coming on with nine catches on 13 targets for 123 yards versus Dallas, I'm really not excited to start him against Seattle. And I would avoid all these wide receivers and tight ends this week, especially if Reed is coming into this game injured. Uh, I need to see Crowder do that twice. He, he, he's had too many single digit games this year for this one to really come in and change my mind. Go, go uh, move the earth for me. Just not happening. Um, I actually disagree with a lot of that. I think, you know, even though Deshaun Watson balled out against Seattle, this is definitely a poor matchup for Kirk Cousins. Um, I think he's going to throw a few picks here. He's just a mid-end QB2 for me. But um, certainly, like you said, Chris Thompson, that weekly mid-end RB2 with his involvement both as a runner and a pass catcher. Um, But I think there's sneaky value here with Jamison Crowder and Vernon Davis. Um, I actually think Crowder really, they kind of forced the ball to him with both Pryor and Doxon struggling to be effective. And I think they're going to continue to use Crowder as that number one option now that, you know, they're really just frustrated with the other guys. I think he's a risk reward flex play at Seattle. Um, I certainly wouldn't start any of the other ones though, but the other thing, um, the least shocking thing of all time, Jordan Reed with a soft tissue injury. Um, he strained his hamstring, and it sounds like he's going to be out at least this week, if not longer. So I actually like Vernon Davis a lot as a high-end tight end two play. Um, I think Davis would be an every-week tight end one if not for this bad matchup against Seattle, but um, we're definitely going to talk about Vernon Davis more during the waiver wire section. Hmm, sounds like we've got uh, Troubler brewing. You want to maybe do a Crowder line six and a half targets? Uh, targets? I think he'll eclipse that easily. Yeah, I think I think he's under six and a half. Okay, I'll take the over on six and a half targets. All right, let's do it. Right. Uh, as for Seattle, Russell Wilson had another good week versus the beat-up Houston defense. As we talked about, our player of the week, 452 yards, four touchdowns, one interceptions, 30 yards rushing, quarterback one all around the day. That run game is just so bad, conversely, though. like it's It, it, it almost makes you want to cry. Here we go. Eddie Lacy, six carries, zero yards. Thomas Rawls, six carries, negative one yard. J.D. McKissick, four carries, six yards with, hey, one catch for six extra yards. It's a disgrace to the memory of Sean Alexander and other running backs past. Uh, here's the wide receiver lines, though, uh, on the other side. Doug Baldwin, six catches on 10, on 10 looks for 54 yards. Lockett, six catches on eight looks, 121 yards. Paul Richardson, six catches on seven looks, 105 yards in those two touchdowns. Jimmy Graham, four catches on five looks, 39 yards, and two more touchdowns. Baldwin's going to have his hands full with Josh Norman, but this could be another good flex week for Lockett and Richardson. Uh, Graham, of course, is a tight end one for me. 
Yeah, I actually, you know, I don't think Josh Norman's going to shadow anyone this week. Uh, Seattle doesn't really have that clear-cut number one wide receiver. I don't expect him to follow Baldwin into the slot necessarily. Um, I would rank the wide receivers like this. I have Doug Baldwin as a mid-level wide receiver too. I've got Paul Richardson as a high-end flex, and I've got Tyler Lockett as a low-end flex. So, of course, you know, you're starting Jimmy Graham as a top-five tight end. Um, and then, obviously, I uh, like Russell Wilson. Uh, he's been carrying this offense. Uh, as you said, there's just no run game, so it's really all up to him. But uh, I expect Seattle to win this game pretty handily. I agree. Uh, Seattle to win this game. And here we go. 22 Peters with a second turnover on the day. First one going for a touchdown. Uh, kids just uh, making a fool out of Trevor Simeon out there. Yeah, I won't talk too much about my own team, but I'm playing the KC defense and Travis Kelsey. So it's been good so far. <laughs> Things are going well. Things are going swell. Uh, can't, speaking of KC, Kansas City at Dallas kicking off the 430 Eastern games. Tonight we see what KC can do against uh, Denver defense, uh, defensively, and they're always exciting to watch. Uh, Dallas does not scare me in any way. I have no problem rolling out Alex Smith, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and of course the ravishing rookie, the dynamic dynamo, Kareem Hunt, number 27. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game with neither defense playing particularly well right now, despite uh, despite the Chiefs' nice night so far against Trevor Simeon. But um, I agree with everything you just said there. Uh, the one note I would add to Marcus Robinson, I think he's got flex potential as well in this great matchup in Week 9. Strange, strange thing we're seeing here with KC. I mean, I guess it's not strange. It's just um, Eric Berry goes down. The defense falls apart. Last year we saw um, Earl Thomas go down. The the defense fall apart. Free safety may be the most important uh, player on in a lot of these defenses in the NFL. Just an observation. Uh, on the Dallas side, Dak was held pretty well in check by Washington and the pass rush. He didn't have to do much, though, with the Zeke demolishing the competition. Zeke Elliott adding 33 carries, 150 yards, and two touchdowns, and would be a locked-in running back one this week if we knew he was playing. Willie, won't he? I don't know. But if it's McFadden, I have McFadden as a low-end running back, too. If Morris is starting, I have him as a low-end flex with little pass game upside. Uh, if we remember his days back in Washington, he was pretty much exclusively running the ball straight up and down. Uh, Dez would be a solid wide receiver one for me versus the beatable Kansas City secondary, and Witten a very solid floor tight end one versus Kansas City. Uh, Dak's a quarterback one for me this week. Yeah, um, I don't have a whole lot to add. Like I said, I think this is going to be a type of 36-33 kind of shootout. Uh, I love Dak and Zeke. Uh, Des Bryant, uh, wide receiver one for me also. Uh, really, Marcus Peters does not shadow. Um, they don't really move him around. He stays on his side of the field. Um, I don't love the other wide receivers here, but I do think Bryce Butler is is an upside wide receiver for play. Um, really, he just needs that one long bomb to get free. Um, and yeah, like you said, I like Witten as well. Low end tight end one in PPR with uh, against the Chiefs defense that's given up lots of catches to opposing tight ends. And, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll note here, too, is uh, I would not be starting either of these defenses. I, I know I'm I'm starting Kansas City tonight, and I also put Dallas in a bunch of DFS lineups, but I really don't expect either of these defenses to do great this week. You know, just because we're calling this game a shootout, we pro it's probably going to turn out like nine points to three at the end of the day. But uh, I still expect a shootout, and I think Casey comes out on top of it. Uh, you know, I, I love the Chiefs, but give me Dallas here. 
All right. Oakland at Miami Sunday night football. Derek Carr had a rough day versus Buffalo, as we expected. He should do a little better versus Miami. Uh, Lynch may be back. Uh, Lynch will be back this week, and he'll be getting his fair share of the carries, pulling away from Richard uh, Richard and Washington. This week, we saw that split of DeAndre Washington, six carries, 26 yards, with eight catches for 62 yards and a touchdown to Richard's five carries for 21 and five catches for 35 Crabtree, 5 of 10 for 83. Cooper, 5 of 10 for 48. The offense just is not clicking enough to make any of these players more than low-end options at each of their positions. Lynch are running back three. The wide receivers are low-end wide receiver twos or high-end wide receiver threes. Not a lot of faith that I have in this team last year. Um, Like them a lot better last year with Derek Carr clicking a lot better. Yeah, I, I think Carr um, struggled against that Buffalo defense, but I think it'll it'll get a little bit easier for them uh, Sunday night at Miami. I think Carr is a decent low on QB1 option against a very beatable Jets secondary. Um, the running backs I'd really try to avoid, uh, they're pretty much unplayable with Marshawn Lynch coming back. Uh, you can't really start Rashard or Washington with Lynch there as the quote-unquote starter, but even then, he's not uh, getting a ton of touches because they're getting split up uh, with the other two guys. So I think if I had to pick one, Marshawn Lynch would be a low-end flex for me. Um, and I agree with your assessment of the wide receivers. I like Crabtree over Cooper a little bit as a low-end wide receiver too, and then Cooper for me, a high-end flex. But certainly against my Miami. I think both of them have high upside. And then the one last thing, I do like Jared Cook a lot. Uh, this should be a great matchup for him. He's a high-end tight end two for me, borderline tight end one with lots upside this week as well. As for Miami, we thought Miami may struggle versus the Baltimore defense, but but that was just ridiculous. Another shutout on the year, zero points. Matt Moore was bad. Ajayi did nothing with his touches, 41 yards on his 17 touches, 12 targets for Landry, and 10 for Still Still. But this week, they get the Oakland defense, which it, which is not great. They'll still get a lot of looks. Uh, Ajayi's a running back, too. I like the potential of whichever two wide receivers end up starting between Landry, Parker, and Stills. Parker could be back this week. Yeah, despite just an awful showing, though, um, I really do like Jay Cutler um, as a streaming QB this week. Um, He's a mid-level QB, too, for me. Oakland has been absolutely gashed by uh, opponents. Um, Their defense is just playing terrible right now. And speaking of, uh, the running backs the last few weeks have been dominating Oakland as well. I like Ajay as a high-end flex play. Um, And it does sound like Devontae Parker was close to playing last week with that ankle injury and should likely be good to go this week after another 10 days to recover. Uh, Parker's a low-end wide receiver, too, for me. Landry's a mid-level wide receiver, too, with upside. And then, oh, my gosh, why would you have Tyreek Hill throw in that situation? Um, Yeah, I tried not to cut you off. Uh, I mean, I had to cut myself off. I was like, what are you doing? I mean, if anything, give it to him and let him run. But yeah, um, sorry. All right. So Parker, I was saying low on wide receiver two, Landry, a mid-level wide receiver two. Um, God, I think this is a case of Andy Reid trying to do too much here. Your offense is doing well against Denver and there's no need to try this. Um, anyway, sorry. Back to Miami. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Oh, the last thing, Kenny Stills, um, obviously his ceiling is lowered uh, with Parker back, but I think he's still a viable flex option. He's been playing well, and I expect him to continue, uh, or for them to at least continue using him. So um, I will take Oakland, though, on the road. 
So you want us to start five Miami players and tell us that you're going to pick Oakland on the road. Okay. I too am taking Oakland on the road. You know, I think this is going to be like a, a sneaky, very high scoring game. Uh, and I think it's actually going to be a pretty good game to watch uh, for Sunday night, despite both teams kind of <laughs> underperforming lately. Well, we prefer good games to watch than bad games to watch. Uh, speaking of bad games to watch, this one could, well, this one could be real sweet for uh, for Bears fans, at least. Detroit at Green Bay. Matt Stafford threw for a ton of yards this last week versus Pittsburgh, 423, but no touchdowns. He should be able to hit at least 300 yards in one touchdown versus Green Bay, I think, slotting him into a high-end quarterback two role. Uh, the running back situation is even messier than it was before, with Abdullah getting 11 carries, 27 yards, three catches for 11, six points. Theoretic, four carries, 21 yards, two catches for 24 Four points. No, six points. And now Dwayne Washington <laughs> taking all the goal line carries and converting zero of them. Six carries, 12 yards, one catch for one yard. That's two points. This is almost as bad as it is in Seattle. Actually, it might be worse. Uh, Marvin Jones turned out a great game with six catches for on 11 for 128, with Tate looking fine, seven catches for 86, and TJ Jones even getting in on the fun with four catches for 88. I really only like Tate Tate as more than a flex. Uh, the Joneses are just too inconsistent, though I like Marvin as a good flex upside versus Green Bay. Is it just me, or, like... Do NFL offensive coordinators like just suck at their job sometimes when they have really good players? I mean, why would you run it with Dwayne Washington in a goal line package when they're clearly expecting it? I just I don't understand that type of play calling. Um, obviously, it's easy for me as an armchair quarterback or whatever you want to call it, but you would think you know these offensive coordinators would get a little bit more creative than that. Um, but that said, I think that's a it's a nice game for Stafford here, especially with Golden Tate healthier in his second game back from that shoulder injury. Um, Stafford's a low on QB1 for me. Uh, like you said, I'm going to pass on all the running backs here. Absolutely no consistency as to their usage. If I had to pick one, I would take Abdullah, as I do think they'll be playing with a lead for most of the night here. Um, but still just a flex option. Uh, and then the Green Bay secondary has been pretty bad. So I like Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, both as low-end wide receiver twos, in a great cool. matchup here in prime time. Um, Marvin Jones has really developed some nice chemistry with Stafford on those timing routes. And if you'll remember early in the season last year, um, I before do. he had that foot injury, Marvin Jones was really good, and he dominated Green Bay for 200 yards. Um, I don't expect that necessarily, but I do think uh, he's a wide receiver too this week. Um, and then finally, uh, I do think the Detroit defense is a decent streaming option against Brett Hundley. Um, the Lions have been good against the run, uh, you know, really limiting Le'Veon Bell, and I think they're going to force Hundley to throw to beat them. Green Bay, this will be the next game in the Brent Hudley era. I think it's going to be an ugly one. Aaron Jones should continue to have tons of groundwork slotting in as a running back to high end. Uh, Nelson will be hampered by Darius Slade, and his value really just rests on his name value here. Uh, don't get conned into trading for him. I see a lot of people sending G uh, Jordy Nelson trades out there. He's a wide receiver three or four for me. Uh, same with Adams and Cobb. I think the best thing Green Bay could really do here is work Ty Montgomery back into the pass game out of the backfield to help Brett Hudley out. Uh, can they make it happen after the buy this soon i i doubt it he's a low-end ppr only flex yeah so i think i actually have a t different take on how this green bay offense is going to look than you do um sure i think so we'll see if the bye week helps brett hunley get a little bit more comfortable running this offense 
Um, but I, I do think Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams are both still flex plays here. Um, but I actually like Jordy more because I think Darius Slay is actually going to cover Devontae Adams. Um, we saw Minnesota put Xavier Rhodes, their number one cornerback, on Devontae Adams. So it looks like teams are now treating him as the wide receiver one on this team. And this could actually free up Jordy for a few more catches. Um, like I said, I have him as a better and uh, better higher end flex play than Adams. And then Aaron Jones got a lot of work against New Orleans, but we don't know if part of that is because Ty Montgomery was still coming back from that rib injury and they wanted to limit his touches a little bit. Um, certainly we'll get to see how the workload's going to be split a little bit more here, but I'm hesitant to rank Aaron Jones as a running back two against a good Detroit defense that just limited Le'Veon Bell to three yards per carry. For me, Aaron Jones is a high-end flex play, and then I actually wouldn't start Ty Montgomery right now um, I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of work. Uh, like you said, we'll see if he gets that pass-catching role back. But for now, he's just an upside RB4 for me. Like, it could happen for him, but I wouldn't bet on it on Monday night. Oh, yeah, I agree. A lot of players this week where we're like, uh, I don't exactly know what's going to happen here. Let's put him on your bench, hang on to him tight. Um, I'm taking Detroit in this game here. I will take Detroit too, but that just means that I'm going to cry when Detroit somehow screws it up with like a minute left. Oh, that's exactly what happens. Hey, don't cry. Pa uh, the Packers aren't beating anybody in the playoffs with Brett Hundley. As for the six teams on bye this week, uh, Chicago. Chicago came up short, and Mitchell needs to progress for them to improve. Uh, Howard's a stud. Terry Cohen added a touchdown here. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, they get a well-timed bye for Diggs to heal, and the quarterbacks to get extra time to practice, figure out that situation. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I leave the starter in there. Um, Keenum. Mc um, McKinnon and Murray both worth owns in most leagues. Leagues. Cleveland uh, continues to be Cleveland. Crowell finally had a good game. I want to see a second one before I start him, though. The uh, Chargers, Gordon gets a bye week at the right time. He came up with a toe injury despite another big day. Hang on to Eckler. Toe injuries can linger. Rivers missed deep or had the ball stripped from the wide receiver's hands on a few very big plays that made their day look much worse than it actually was in New England. New England, the Pats win over the Bolts. Only real news is Hogan's shoulder and Burkhead's increased usage. Keep an eye on Hogan as the next two weeks is, next two weeks go. Pittsburgh, Bell is Bell, Brown is Brown, and Juju is officially a real boy. He found his bike and his role in this offense all at the same time with a great seven catch on 10 target, 193-yard, one-touchdown day. He is a must-own, especially as they continue to uh, have Martavis Bryant ride the pines as he continues to be nothing but a distraction for this team yeah um i mean let's talk about a few streaming options here um first at quarterback we talked about josh mccown against buffalo just 25 percent owned um and then i think uh jay color too we talked about against oakland just 10 percent owned right now um, but again, I think both of these guys have enough upside, uh, especially if it's going to be garbage time. Neither of the secondaries have been playing great. Um, so I think if you're desperate, those two are possible streaming options this week. As for some tight ends here, as we love to talk about, uh, find value there. Jared Cook at Miami, 64% owned. Good matchup against defense, giving the few, uh, seventh most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. He's hanging on to the ball a lot better this year than years prior. Vernon Davis at Seattle, 12% owned. Not the best matchup, but Kirk Cousins going to struggle to get the ball to his outside wide receivers. This offense relies heavily on the tight end. He should see a ton of targets with Jordan Reed continuing to have soft tissue problems. Tyler Croft at Jacksonville, 46 
37% owned, probably my favorite of these we've named. He's been the second most targeted receiving option behind A.J. Green, and it's tough to throw outside against these Jaguars cornerbacks. Expect Croft to get a lot of targets over the middle this matchup. Yeah, and a couple defensive options here. We've got Buffalo at the New York Jets, 47% owned. Um, You know, I know we just talked about McCown as a QB streamer, but like I said, I think it's possible both for McCown to rack up 15 points in garbage time and for the Bills defense to get a few turnovers and sacks on him. Um, So I do like Buffalo. And then also we talked about them uh, earlier in the preview, but the Los Angeles Rams at the Giants, 57% owned. Um, the Rams get Eli Manning here, enough said, plenty of opportunities for sacks and turnovers uh, with that offense really struggling in the pass game. And then if they can manage Orleans Darko and Wayne Gallman in the running game, um, they're going to make life real tough for Eli. I'll run you through uh, back through a few of the injuries here. Uh, Jameis Winston with that AC sprain, uh, shoulder sprain. He's been playing, but hasn't been accurate with his throws. He's a quarterback, too, for me, and riding my bench until that shoulder becomes 100%. He gets a little more accurate. Jay Cutler with the ribs should play this week. Already named the starter after Miami lost 40-0 to zero to Baltimore with Matt Moore at the helm. Aaron Rodgers with the qu- collarbone fracture and surgery. Week 15 is the earliest he can return. Stash him if you have room. You're not dropping Aaron Rodgers. I hope Uh, running backs Leonard Fournette with that ankle sprain two weeks ago, likely good to go this week, but watch the practice reports here and David Johnson with that wrist dislocation week 12 is the earliest he can return. Um, If if he was dropped soon, you're going to want to look to get him back on your team. That's for sure. Um, this, This guy is a game changer. Yep. And then at wide receiver, we've got Chris Hogan with an AC sprain in his shoulder. Uh, Injury similar to Golden Tate's. We saw that Tate had a bye week to recover and return this week against Pittsburgh. And certainly Hogan has his bye as well this week. So we'll see on him. But again, every player is different. Uh, So he could be back following New England's bye or might take a little bit longer. Certainly monitor his practice reports in a couple of weeks. And then Devontae Parker with that ankle sprain. He was close to playing last week, and the odds are pretty good that he'll suit up this week. Manuel Sanders with that high ankle sprain. He's week to week, so monitor that. And then finally, we've got D.D. Westbrook uh, coming back from that groin surgery. Could return this week or next. Certainly worth a look in deeper leagues. Tight ends always more and more injured. Just the big boys across the middle. Jordan Reed with that hamstring strain. MRI results are still pending, but sounds like higher grade strain could be a multi-week out uh, out for him. Zach Miller with a nasty knee dislocation out for the season. Droppable in all formats. Um, Zach Zach Miller underwent surgery to save his leg today. Uh, it sounded like it went well, and they're optimistic. All the best to him and his family. Uh, we, we really hope he can get through this and recover well. Very very scary situation. So Similar to what Teddy Bridgewater went through, but this one actually sounded possibly worse. It sounded like they did have to do vascular surgery to save that artery. Um, Could have been a a lost leg altogether for Zach Miller. So very scary uh, for he and his family. His career may be over. Uh, Charles Clay, torn MCL and meniscus, could return around week 10 or 11. Delaney Walker, that brome bruise on his ankle, questionable this week, but could play. Monitor the practice status. Greg Olson with that foot foot fracture. Week 12 is the earliest he can return if he's not owned he he is a guy that does need to be owned and cj fedora with uh with a concussion could return from ir in week 10 um with sean watson running that uh, running that offense what do we say young quarterback's best friend is the tight end you know he, he is the best tight on that team employs yeah and just real quick uh you know we said <laughs> we said this uh this past week that 
Zach Miller was a desperation tight end too, and he would have gotten you a touchdown had the refs not screwed him over saying he bobbled it on his way down, which is BS in my opinion. But either way, um, like you said, he's done in fantasy. You can drop him. But more importantly, we are glad that the surgery went well and certainly hope that um, he will recover uh, fully, even if even if he doesn't play again, at least to have a good quality of life. Um, that's certainly more important at this point. But back to fantasy, um, some waiver wire ads to consider at the quarterback position. We've got Tyrod Taylor, 61% owned in Yahoo Leagues right now. Um, whatever Buffalo did on their bye week to tweak their offense worked. Tyrod has been excellent, and he should get Charles Clay back relatively soon. Uh, Taylor's going to be a matchup dependent low-end QB1 for the rest of the season here. And then we talked about Aaron Rodgers, 44% owned. He could return in week 15 of the fantasy playoffs. Certainly worth a stash if you have a good record uh, and you have the bench space to spare. We got a couple uh, running backs. Of course, Alex Collins is 34% owned. We saw in that game where Baltimore's defense could hold the lead. They will run the ball a lot uh, with their struggles in the passing game. Collins is earning more snaps and could be a more reliable flex down the line. Rex Burkhead, 8% owned, uh, played a season high 26 snaps versus the Chargers, and he could have upside if New England trades away a running back or if he plays well enough to earn more consistent usage in this muddy backfield. Heck, they could even trade him away to a team that needs a running back. Who knows? Yeah, and then at wide receiver, uh, we've got a lot of people to talk about this week. Uh, Leading the way, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster would be the highest priority here, 48% owned with Martavis Bryant benched. Um, Juju has exploded. I mean, he's a flex player right now, maybe more rest of the season. And then we've got Danny Amendola at 65%. Uh, If Chris Hogan were to miss time, Amendola could be a wide receiver too for a few weeks, especially with New England talking about fixing this offense during their bye week. Mohamed Sanu at 64% ownership. We talked about him last week as well. He's a nice wide receiver three or flex play as that number two option behind Julio Jones. And then we've got Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. Richardson, 31% owned and Lockett, 39%. Um, If Seattle really does start to rely more on that passing game and abandon their poor run game, both of these wide receivers could be upside flex plays week to week. Corey Davis, we talked about, 27% owned. He's back to a limited practice after seven weeks with a hamstring injury. Um, If you remember, he led the team in targets when he was healthy week one. He's got wide receiver two upside for the rest of the season if the Titans get it going with him. Last chance to grab Corey Davis for free. D.D. Westbrook, similar situation, 9% owned. Probably more for deeper leagues, but Westbrook looked good in that preseason. Uh, Looks like clearly the most explosive wide receiver on this team. Um, And then uh, really, uh, he has upside if he takes over a starting wide receiver gig with defenses focused on stopping Leonard Fournette. And then finally, uh, a little blast from the past here, Calvin Johnson, 0% owned right now. Yahoo announced that he's being added to the player pool tonight overnight. There have been rumors swirling of him coming out of retirement. It sounds like the Eagles are interested and potentially another team as well. I don't necessarily believe it. He's said multiple times that he's done. Um, So I'm not going to be picking up Calvin Johnson in any leagues. However, in deep leagues, uh, you know, it's worth a shot. Worse, you know, crazier things have happened. We saw Marshawn Lynch come back this year. Um, Again, the odds are low, but Calvin Johnson uh, could be a league winner somehow if he somehow plays again. Somehow, some way. When you wish upon a star, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) 
Uh, a couple tight ends to talk about. Jack Doyle, fifty percent owned. That that's not going to last. We've talked about him now for three weeks. You got to pay for him uh, now after his career game. He's not going to do that every week, but he's the number two target behind T.Y. Hilton and a PPR tight end one rest of season. Vernon Davis, as we talked about, twelve percent owned with Jordan Reed out. He steps right into that role and will be a tight end one until Reed returns. Charles Clay, fourteen percent owned, could return in two to three weeks and would likely be the number one receiver with nobody else on the Buffalo roster claiming that spot. Greg Olson, 42% could return as early as week 12, a free stash top five tight end for the fantasy playoffs. If he's healthy, CJ Fedorowicz, 10% Houston offense is hot and he could return from the IR in week 10. He was a tight end one in PPR last year and could reclaim the starting tight end role in a high powered offense. Tyler Croft, 47% owned again. He's the number two target in Cincinnati's offense, just like Jack Doyle. Big week could be coming for him. Adam Shaheen, 0% owned right now. A deep league ad only, but with Chicago's wide receivers still struggling, Zach Miller got a touchdown. I don't care that the refs were dumb and called it incomplete. I completely disagree there. And Shaheen got an end zone target. Deion Sims will be involved, but Shaheen has upside in deeper leagues if you need a tight end. Yeah, just a real quick game note here. Can I just say that as a Travis Kelsey owner, I love that little shovel pass that Alex Smith does to him because it's like oh, a yeah. guaranteed one and a half, two points in PPR every single time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That is going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, I know we talked about a lot of waiver wire ads. Um, certainly, uh, you know, I had somebody ask me on Twitter this past week whether Cooper Cup or Corey Davis would be the better ad. Um, and it's all situationally dependent. So if you have more specific questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We will be happy to answer them there. Uh, as always, I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I am at FFA underscore Los. Uh, we are, of course, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, whether you are listening to us on your computer or your mobile device of choice. And as always, it's a fantasy world and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight.